the past several episodes, we've been exploring the hemp lime building world in depth with folks who are working in that space every day. This episode, we're zooming out a bit to investigate the potential power of hemp lime. We've heard how hemp just might be able to revitalize several different industries and reignite former manufacturing towns. But so far, those conversations have been largely academic. We've said this could work, and that we hope it will work. But this isn't just an idea. It's actually beginning to happen. And one of the places where it's happening is Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Newcastle is the epitome of family. Perfect, maybe not. Perfectly positioned, absolutely. In the heart of Lawrence County, this Rust Belt town is known as being the fireworks capital of the country. It's also Welcome back to Trace Material. Newcastle, Pennsylvania is not unlike a lot of Rust Belt towns in America. Manufacturing and industry once supplied the majority of jobs in what was a thriving small city. But once those dried up, an entire culture and way of life went with them. And when the jobs disappeared, the shops, the banks, the people disappeared too. But, of course, a shrinking city does not mean a dead one. We here at Healthy Materials Lab became aware of Newcastle because of the groundbreaking accessibility work one particular organization is doing there. Affordable, accessible housing is not good enough, and we should not settle for just affordable, accessible housing. We need to strive for healthy, affordable, accessible housing. That's Court Hauer, Executive Vice President of Community Resources and Development at Dawn Services. DON, or D-O-N, stands for Disability Options Network. The network is made up of several collaborative nonprofits, all of which seek to deinstitutionalize the lives of people with disabilities. Our founder realized that there was a key part missing to fulfilling the mission, and that is home ownership. If people with disabilities face huge barriers to finding employment, then getting their own home and owning their own home is next to impossible. So he set about to change that. And that's Lori Daytner. She's the vice president of program development at Dawn and has been hard at work on their project to build a hemp home. That hemp home is obviously where Dawn services and HML's interests intersect. Like us, they aren't interested in crafting boutique homes only for those who can afford it. They're interested in pretty much the exact opposite of that, actually. Newcastle is a city that was at one time, um, at its peak, a population of about 50,000. It's shrunk to less than half of that now. So there is a lot of housing stock that is empty, that is deteriorating. There's a lot of blight. And when Chris took a look at this, he said, you know, there's a way out of this. There's a way to, to solve these problems by taking on blight remediation. And so he decided to do that. He pulled together a, a construction company. We went after grant money from FHL Bank. And we use that money to provide gap funding for the houses that we renovate and the new homes that we build. Everything that we build is fully accessible. You don't have to have a disability to qualify for purchasing one of these homes. The homes cost about $120,000 to $140,000 to build, and we sell them for about forty-two dollars to $47,000, the difference being made up by those FHL bank grants. We don't make money off of this. 
but we're improving the place that we live in for ourselves and our neighbors. We've renovated and built six homes to date, and we have 11 more in the works, one of which will be a hemp home. Lori is a Newcastle native who's seen it change a lot over the course of her life. But like most people, she has a lot of pride in her hometown. When I was growing up, it was a bustling little city. 50,000, by no means was it, you know, a major metropolis, but you had a, a defined downtown center. Everyone would go downtown to do their shopping. There were a lot of restaurants. There were small mom and pop shops. It was a really good place to grow up. There were a lot of jobs to be had in manufacturing and in those service industries. And little by little, it just fell under the influence of, of what happened with the Rust Belt. I mean, just industries just kept going away. And so people would move away. Houses would be empty. They would just be abandoned. Lori hasn't spent her whole life in Newcastle. Until 2014, actually, she was nowhere near western Pennsylvania. After graduating college, she spent much of her adult life in Russia and Central Europe managing a restaurant group there. After about 20 years, she came back to Newcastle to help care for her father and her aunts and uncles so they wouldn't have to go into nursing homes. I have committed to stay in this area until, or as long as long as they need me. And so five years went by where I wasn't working officially. I, I was caregiving. But I got to the point where I could return to work, and I started looking. And Newcastle, as I said, is a depressed area. There weren't many opportunities. But I got very lucky. A friend of mine put my resume uh, in front of Chris Lloyd, the founder of the Dawn Group. And he called me up, and we had a short conversation. I think he liked what he heard in that why I had such a gap in my resume of five years. It fit perfectly with one of his missions, which is to deinstitutionalize the country. I was very intrigued. He hadn't mentioned hemp in the, in the initial phone call, but I said, yes, I'll come talk to you. And I did, and he talked about doing something with hemp. I have never been a farmer myself, although my grandparents had a farm and we grew up planting and, and, and picking potatoes. I don't think that qualifies me to be a, you know, to call myself a farmer. Dawn Services isn't just building with hemp. They're basically trying to develop every stage of the supply chain, which we know is quite a lot of work. They're helping farmers grow it and creating a market for hemp products. The idea is to create a regional industry that would completely support itself. The vision was for us to develop a hemp-based industry in order to create economic opportunity for our regional farmers um, and to create jobs. Chris had an idea that he would like to invest in large-scale decortication. But in order to do that, you have to have enough raw material to process, and you also have to have an end-user pipeline to make it economically viable. The first step for Don was, unsurprisingly, to get plants in the ground. They partnered with a farmer and planted the first hemp in Pennsylvania, outside of a research program, in 80 years. Like most of the people we've spoken to who farm hemp, it wasn't immediately usable. The result was not great. However, it yielded a, a ton of learning. I got to see the harvest, which was literally Chris, Phil, my husband and I going out into this field and pulling this stuff up by hand. 
It came up quite sparsely. We didn't realize that the seeds that we had had uh, really poor germination rates. Uh, we planted it too deeply. We had an incredibly heavy rain year, uh, record rains. So all of that kind of came together to, to yield a, a, a pretty poor result as far as the crop was concerned. But those lessons were very well learned. And this year we expanded our farmer partner growing program to seven farmers. We have five farmers in Western Pennsylvania and two farmers in Ohio. So we're bridging this entire region. This year's hemp plants were much more successful. All that learning they yielded last year apparently paid off. Yesterday I was standing in eight foot tall hemp fields, which was thrilling. Of course, I chose the eight foot section to stand in and take my pictures (laughs) because it was just more impressive than the six foot stuff. But uh, so thrilling to do that versus searching for hemp, hemp plants in a field full of weeds as we did last year. So Dawn Services are partnering with local farmers and they're beginning the process of renovating a home with hemp lime. But as Lori said, they're also trying to build an entire industry, which means they're exploring more than just one end use for hemp. The thing that interests so many people about hemp is that one plant can be grown and used for more than just one thing. But, as we've talked about before, many of hemp's end uses require decortication, which is the process of separating the long outer fibers from the inner woody core of a hemp plant. The woody core is what is used for building products, and the long fibers are used for textiles, and are currently the most valuable part of the industrial hemp plant. Finding a high-quality decorticator is key to keeping those fibers intact. Now, you have varying degrees of what these machines are like. I mean, you have, uh, there are are examples out there that are mobile and can be brought to the field. And then you have equipment lines that that can process 10 tons an hour. As you would imagine, along with that, the price point is quite different. Those big machines run around 10 to $11 million. The smaller mobile machines can run about 130 to $150,000. The $10 million machines are the ones that can process for the widest array of end users. It gets kind of tricky without a really developed market to kind of understand if that kind of investment is going to pay off in a reasonable amount of time. If textile manufacturers don't adopt hemp into their products quickly enough, it could be quite a long wait. So that's where the tricky part comes in. And no one has a crystal ball. Everyone says, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And we all believe it's coming. But none of us can tell you when it's going to come. It could be next month. It could be a year from now. It could be even longer. For most farmers, investing in any kind of decorticator is out of reach, much less a $10 million machine. But that is where Don is stepping in with the help of grant funding. They're planning to purchase a decorticator. The hemp industry is still so new and therefore very risky. It needs the support of external funding. We are not going to go in and promise farmers that, hey, you're going to get rich. Uh, We don't promise any numbers because it wouldn't be right to do so at this point. However, in the year that I've been working on this, I see tremendous momentum building. The interest from all of the typical end-user applications that you hear about, plastics, textiles, building materials, etc. You see more and more and more interest and you see companies starting to make some progress. 
Building materials are just one of many avenues Don's services and Lori are exploring. But they're quickly becoming one of the most promising. And that's because the type of manufacturing that already happens in Newcastle can be readily transitioned into creating hemp lime building materials. We became members, uh, founding members of the U.S. Hemp Building Association in October of last year. And that was where I was first introduced to hemp lime. And I thought, wow, because we have a defunct cement plant sitting down the road. We have a few others that had to scale back their operations. So I thought, wow, we can grow it. We have the lime and we have trade schools right here where we can help rejuvenate the masonry, masonry arts. So that's what we've been pursuing. And one of the best ways to do that, we believe, is to do our part, along with other members of the U.S. Hemp Building Association, to support the inclusion of this building material in the ICC, or the International Construction Code. In order to do that, we said, okay, since we're already renovating homes, let's try to do one with hempcrete or hemp lime, and we will do testing and see if we can't See if we can't help that goal be achieved. Helping farmers, purchasing a decorticator, trying to create an industry, and building and renovating homes. That's where they are. This very summer, Lori and her colleagues purchased the house they intend to renovate as a hemp home. They'll be beginning work soon, although the house, interestingly, isn't completely new to them. It's located in a section of the city that's been called the Lower East Side, that section of the city, you know, back in the day was called the, the tree streets because the streets are oak, cherry, walnut. This house happens to be on Spruce Street. It's not a very large house. It is two stories. I think it was built in 1957. It's in quite bad shape, but it was the right size and it was in the right area because that is the area where we have our revitalization program going on. Interestingly enough, one of my colleagues, Anita McKeever, lived on a street not far from there, and one of her good friends from school lived in that house and grew up in that house. The work of Dawn Services is deeply rooted in the local. And that's also true of the hemp industry they're trying to build. This season, we've been thinking a lot about how to create a local industry based on hemp. From the work Dawn is doing, it doesn't seem like something that'll just pop up naturally. Something so new and developing needs support. What we're curious about is once it has that support, like the kind Dawn is giving it, how far can it go in moving us away from our dependence on fossil fuels and petrochemically-based building products? We'll be watching Newcastle to find out. Trace Material is a project of Parsons Healthy Materials Lab at the New School. It is produced by me, Burgess Brown, Ava Robinson, and the HML team. Thank you to Lori Daitner for lending her voice and expertise to this episode, and thank you to Friends of Healthier Materials who make this podcast possible. Our theme music is Rainbow Road by Cardioid, additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Blue Dot Sessions